0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to today's episode. I pray that these are a blessing to you and that you are reading the Word of God yourself as well. We're going to be in the book of Romans again, in Romans chapter 1, and I intend, by the grace of God, to conclude Romans 1 today with you. But I do want to read a swath of it. And I want to begin again with Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and we will read through the rest of the chapter. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their heart to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them. Let's talk about this section today. I began again with verse 16 and 17 because this forms the backdrop again of chapters 1 through 3. And in chapters 1 through 3, Paul lays out very clearly humanity and its sinful condition apart from God. We are sinners, all of us. We all fall into some category that he expounds on in these first three chapters and in in so being in a condition of sinfulness and under the wrath of the almighty holy God, we need a savior. We need salvation. And so the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that power of God to save all who will believe, all who will call upon him. And so we want to keep that in mind. Verses 16 and 17 form this wonderful backdrop. But verse 18 through the end of the chapter gets gloomy and gloomier as we go along. We talked about verse 18 and several verses after that in the last episode or so, And we looked at these being those who reject God, willfully sinning and rebelling. They are resisting his warnings. They want nothing to do with him. They don't want to hear him. And so time's up. God has a limit to his patience. He said to Noah, he said, I will not always strive with man. In other words, I'm not going to plead and plead and plead and warn, and warn, and warn forever. There'll be a limit to it. And so now we see in Romans chapter one, he has pled with people over and over. He is warning, and warning, and warning, and people are resisting him. And he says, time's up. I'll give you up. His pleading is done at this point. And the result to the people that have rejected him is that God yields them over to all forms of impurity, uncleanness, to dishonor and abuse their own bodies because they've refused God's truth and exchanged it for the lie. Then we saw how God gave them over to vile passions, very evil and worthless and vile pathos, sufferings, things that cause suffering disease and harm like pathogens do in the body and to unnatural affection that results all kinds of sexual sins immorality and deviations from god's prescribed order they've rejected god's prescribed order for man and woman in The right kind of sexual environment in the right kind of love and relationship, they've rejected that. All the way back to Genesis, that was affirmed by Genesis and by Jesus that God created man and woman and he blessed them one man for one woman for life is God's prescribed order for marriage and for proper sexuality. But these have taken that and rejected that. They've refused God's prescribed order. And so now they're into vile passions. Pathos is the Greek word. And it causes suffering, trouble, and other things. In verse 28 and following, we see that their rejection and condition only hardens and worsens. Because we see here how Paul says, They don't like to retain God in their knowledge. In other words, they know the truth. They know the truth. They recognize it. They discern it, but they refuse it. They're not going to have it. They won't let God come up in their minds and in their knowledge and in their intelligence. They are refusing him completely. So God surrenders, yields them up to the alternative. You see, we have to understand that if we reject acknowledging God, if we try to push God out, although the truth is staring us in the face, if we reject that and we're like, no, God, I won't let you come up in my mind. I'm not going to think about you. I'm not going to receive the truth. I won't have it. Then the alternative for that kind of mentality that refuses the true intelligence, for those who refuse the right mind, for those who refuse the mind that acknowledges God, then there's only one alternative. And God gives them up and says, okay, have at it. Have it your way. And it is a debased mind. Now, why is that true? Well, we have to understand that God is the source of all wisdom and knowledge. There is none apart from him. When you get rid of him, you get rid of all wisdom. You get rid of all knowledge, true knowledge and understanding and, and comprehension in, in truth. You have no truth. You have no source of truth. You have no source of wisdom or knowledge left. Let's look at that. Let's read Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? There is no other alternative but a debased mind when you have rejected the source from which all treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found, and they are found in Jesus Christ according to Paul in the book of Colossians here that we just read. To reject the source where wisdom and knowledge are hidden, they're hidden in there kind of like a treasure chest that's full of gold or full of precious gems. If you reject that, you're only left with the alternative. And that alternative is a debased mind. It means a reprobate or a rejected mind, one that is unapproved as fit, one that is worthless or unfit. It doesn't prove itself as it ought to be. Let's look at a few places where this particular word for a reprobate or a debased mind is used, debased, reprobate. This same word is used in Hebrews, chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated, receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. The word rejected is this word reprobate. So it's a rejected mind. It's one that is worthy to be burned because it is sinful. It is evil. It has rejected God, the only source of all wisdom and knowledge. And so it is rejected. It is unfit. It's that same Greek word used here. Then in 1 Corinthians, Chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's used by Paul in verse 27 here. Beginning in verse 24, he's talking about running a race and we are to run it in the way to obtain the prize. We have to be disciplined, etc. Let me pick up the reading in verse 26. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection Lest, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And that word disqualified is the same word as reprobate or debased. In other words, unfit, unproven, and worthless. It's also used in Second Corinthians. Let me read Second Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5 through 10. It says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Meaning of this reprobate, debased mind. Verse six, but I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Now I pray to God that you do know evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. In other words, he's, he's been addressing sins in this carnal church, and he doesn't want to see them disqualified, even though because he's having to speak harsh words to them, they may think that he's disqualified. Verse 8, for we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak, and you are strong. And this also we pray that you may be made complete. Therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. So here he's talking about a a behavior and a lifestyle that would end up being disqualified, being reprobate, being debased. And I want to read you two other places where this same word, Greek word, is used. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, I want to read verses 1 through 8. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. First of all, let me stop there, because that list is almost the same list in many ways as the list that we just read in Romans chapter 1. Continuing on in the reading, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. And that word disapproved is reprobate or debased. So Paul is telling us here in Second Timothy chapter 3, much of the same thing that he just said in Romans chapter 1. He's listing all these people and he verifies again that these are disqualified, disapproved of a reprobate mind. They are of this disapproved, unfit, thought, mentality, opinion, frame of mind. They're not able to judge. They don't have the ability to truly judge or discern right from wrong anymore. They don't have that understanding. They don't have that that ability to determine what is or isn't right anymore because their conscience has been seared. We talked about that earlier, because they've hardened and hardened and hardened their heart, rejected God. And so God says, okay, I'll give you up to the alternative. And this is the alternative that we're talking about now, because they've rejected the source of all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge found in Jesus Christ. So God says, okay, have at it. And he gives them up to this debased mind to do the things, their intent, their determination, they've been bound and determined to do this all along. The things that are not fitting. In other words, they don't become the truth of what a person should be. They don't reach to the standard. It doesn't reach to or become what is right. It's not according to the standard. It's not according to the prescribed order, or these things do not measure up. Paul will tell us shortly in chapter 3 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We miss the mark, we don't measure up. You see, God's word is the standard, his revealed order that he has established in his word for holiness, for right living, for righteousness that's the standard, that's the yardstick, so to speak. And they don't measure up. Paul will tell us in chapter 3, and he's building this case between here and there, that none of us, without Christ, none of us measure up. Every single one of us stand in a sinful condition in desperate need of our Savior, of a Savior. And that's why he begins talking about the power of God to save all who will believe. And we will get more into that a little bit later. But he's laying out the case here that we don't measure up. He says the full scope and extent of these of these evil people and of these evil notions, goals, and plans of these people is that they are crammed to the full, to the brim, With all unrighteousness, wrong dealings, no standard, no no truth, no righteousness in their dealings, all sexual immorality, that includes perversion and no restraint from anything. It includes fornication, it includes incest, pornography, any form of sexual deviation, perversion, or evil and wrong that is not according to God's prescribed order. They are filled with all wickedness, malice and plots and scheming for evil and for wrong intent. Covetousness, filled with all covetousness, including fraud and extortion, being discontent and having a craving for more, greed and avarice they are filled with all maliciousness, desiring harm to other people. They are full of envy or jealousy, murder, which Jesus said includes hatred. They are full of all strife, contention, conflict, and quarreling, all deceit, lying, and deception, which also includes fraudulence, They are full of evil-mindedness, evil thinking, bad character, having no pure thoughts of any kind. They are full of, and are whisperers. They're gossips, backbiters, those that will, will whisper around and gossip, tell tales. They're backbiters, they're murmurers, they cannot be trusted, and they're slanderers. They're also haters of God. They despise him. I can't imagine, I cannot imagine someone that despises God. And all all I can say to that is they have no clue who he is because God is good. He is good. I have tasted and seen that he is good. And I encourage you to do the same. But these people Paul is describing here in Romans chapter 1 are haters of God. They're also violent. They're full of insults and desires for harm. They're proud, appearing above others. They're on an ego trip and boasting, bragging, inventors of evil things. I thought about that. That can be in a variety of applications. Even in entertainment, they they bring out evil video games or movies or TV shows or whatever that are dark or that are evil, that, that miss the mark, that draw people to do or think sinful things. They can be inventors of evil things in weapons that would seek to harm other people, be they you know, natural weapons like guns or knives or whatever, or be they biological or chemical weapons, other types of things that are bent on destroying people and being destructive, inventors of evil things. They are disobedient to parents, unpersuadable with no respect or appreciation for parents. Boy, do we see that today as well. They are undiscerning. They can't tell right from wrong. They can't fully judge and understand what is and is not right. They've lost that. They are untrustworthy. They are covenant breakers and treacherous. They are unloving, completely selfish, hard-hearted, have no desire or sincere care for other people or to sacrificially love anyone. They are unforgiving, holding grudges, bitter and and resentful. They are unmerciful, spiteful, refusing to show mercy, merciless and ruthless is who they are. In verse 32 though, I want to read this verse again because Paul has just listed all of these characteristics of these people in such an evil and sinful condition before a holy God. And I want I want to close out by looking again at verse 32. These people who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. I can't imagine I can't imagine someone like that. They know the that they are headed for righteous judgment before the holy God. God has revealed it to them. God has made it plain. His word is plain. His knowledge in their own hearts and their conscience is plain. They've just rejected, rejected, rejected it, and their conscience is now seared. But God made it clear to them. They are without excuse. He's already told us that earlier. So they realize that they stand in this condition before a holy God deserving of death, condemned to die before this holy God and look at this sad commentary on their condition and on their heart. They still willingly, rebel and do these evils, and not only that, but they delight in others doing the same. That is very evil and very wicked. And Jesus even spoke about someone with that kind of heart that would rejoice in leading people astray, rejoice in seeing others have stumbling blocks before them, and fall away. Jesus said it would be better if a heavy millstone were hung about their neck and they were cast into the sea than to lead even one little one astray. How these people are wicked. It's pure evil. But the good news that Paul gives us in verse 16 and 17 and again later in chapter three, when we get there, we will see it in detail, is that no matter what category you may be in, in all of these things he has listed in this first chapter or in any of the coming chapters, no matter what condition you are, no matter how bad your sin is, no no matter how hard your heart is, God can save you if you will turn to him and repent. These people he described here are not doing that. He says they not only recognize they're under God's wrath, they're happy about that. They keep on doing what they're doing and they're trying and hoping and rejoicing and other people doing the same. That's their hardness of their heart. But that doesn't have to be you. You can repent. You can call upon the Lord. You can call out to him and ask him to forgive you of all your sins, to wash your sins away, and to make you brand new. And you can find brand new life in him, forgiveness for your sins, and eternal life with him forevermore. I encourage you to do that. Take these words to heart. It's serious business. We will stand before God one day. The question is, Will we stand in his grace like Paul, even Elijah and others spoke about standing before God and we know that that's standing in his grace? Or will we stand in our sinful condition to be damned and judged? The choice is yours, friend. The choice is yours. I pray that you call upon him today and come to know him. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and Lord willing that you can join us again for future episodes. God bless you in Jesus name. Amen.